The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste to a town of Judah where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For at the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed are you who believe that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. And Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked upon his lowly servant. From this day all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm, and he has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones, and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. The Gospel of the Lord. celebrate this feast to the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. The sanctuary flowers this week are in loving memory of Teresa Bergen. Catechism classes will begin on Tuesday, September the 7th. To sign your, up your child, please use the registration form found on the parish website. For more details, see the bulletin this weekend. If you are new or not so new to St. Agnes and would like to join our parish officially, registration forms can be found on the bulletin board in the vestibule of the church. The form can also be downloaded from the parish website. The Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary is a tremendous feast given to us by Mother Church. Indeed, so important is it for us and for our regular contemplation that here in the United States it stands as a holy day of obligation. Thankfully, this year it falls on a Sunday, so people take that Sunday obligation more seriously than we do uh, the holy days during the week, when often people uh, consider them holy days of if I have enough time or if I really feel like it's that important. Uh, but indeed, it is important, and that's why the church obliges us to come and to reflect upon this feast and to receive our Lord in the Eucharist, to be filled with his grace and to glorify him in our own bodies. This celebration has, one could say, two intentions, really three. To glorify Our Lady, which in turn glorify our Lord, but then also for the continued increasing of God's grace within our own hearts. The Feast of the Assumption 
this solemnity that we celebrate today, according to the liturgical life, the church is relatively new. Uh, it was instituted uh, as uh, a solemnity and defined as a dogma of the church only in 1950. Uh, so within recent memory, it was Pope Pius XII who came and proclaimed this great mystery that at the end of her earthly life, the Blessed Virgin Mary was assumed body and soul into heaven. This is not something that is new to us, however. We know that uh, the traditions that we honor uh, about our Blessed Mother, as well as all the things that stand within the tradition of our faith, are not things that we simply at some point decide, hey, that sounds like a great idea. Let's make that a belief of the church. Foolishness. These are things that we begin from the beginning, that we understand, even if only in seed form from the first, but as time continues, they develop and grow, and our appreciation, understanding of them increases as well. Indeed, from the beginning, the church understood that Our Lady's body was not here. There's no claim of the relics of the Blessed Virgin Mary, at least of her body itself. We have pieces of veils and these kinds of things, but no one claims to have the femur of the Blessed Mother or the, the, the arm bone or the, the, the hand of Christ or the hand of Our Lady, rather. Right? Nobody claims these things. No one claims any of this, and no one ever has. In no account of any of the ancient records of the early church is there any allusion to the relics of the Blessed Virgin Mary being present. It was only in 451 that things began to get a little bit more clarified to some degree. It was in 451, it was the Council of Ephesus, that council wherein Our Lady was proclaimed Mother of God. And the Roman Emperor, who at that time, the, the, the Roman Emperor and the Pope had essentially become uh, co-workers, whereas before the Roman Emperors were the persecutors of the Church, uh, in, the, in the 5th century and on, uh, for a number of centuries, for nearly millennia, uh, the, the, the two were kind of hand in hand with each other. And it was the Roman Emperor who requested from Jerusalem the body of the Blessed Virgin Mary in commemoration and celebration of such a wonderful feast being brought about in life of the Church, the Feast of Mary as Mother of God. The Bishop of Jerusalem, St. Juvenal, neglected to... <laughs> he said, I, I regret to inform you, uh, <laughs> whatever the title of the emperor would be, there is no body of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And he said, what? How, how can there be no body of the Blessed Virgin Mary? To which St. Juvenal said, well, what we understand from our own time is that there is a tomb of Our Lady that is present there. But even in the early days of the church, when the apostles were gathered together, it was St. Thomas who was convicted that he saw Our Lady assumed into heaven, body and soul. And so he requested that her tomb be opened. And the apostles gathered, opened the tomb, and there was no body. Period. From the Thomas Apostle, we have this understanding from the early church that Our Lady's body was brought up to heaven. Certainly this continued to be the common 
the common conviction and belief throughout the life of the church for many centuries later, until ultimately it was uh, defined as a dogma of the church, uh, like I said, only in the last century. And the reason it was generally understood and believed is because all the other graces that our Blessed Mother herself received, in a sense, they make sense. All the pieces coming together, all the things that we celebrate the Blessed Virgin Mary for, those particular graces that she received, it would only make sense that she would also be assumed at the end of her earthly life. After all, she is the new Eve. And just as that first Eve was cast out of the garden on account of her sins, it makes sense that the new Eve, our Blessed Mother, would join the new Adam in the new garden that is prepared, heaven. It makes sense that Our Lady, who was immaculately conceived, and doing, in doing so, uh, God created her and made her the Ark of the Covenant, that great Ark that we heard about in Revelation today, the woman in the sky, clothed with the sun, the tabernacle, the ark. It was proper that the ark, that ark that of old, was made of incorruptible materials. It was made of wood that would not decay, plated in gold to preserve its purity. And in fact, that it never decayed, it simply ceased to be. It was buried in the mountain and never came out again. That's why, uh, that's why Indiana Jones went looking for it, right? <laughs> it's gone. But it's gone for a purpose, because the old ark has gone away ultimately and entirely, because a new ark has become present. The old ark is not to be found. The new one, we know, is our Blessed Mother. And as that old ark was also incorruptible, it makes sense that Our Lady, who was free from a sin in the entirety of her life, and became the ark of the covenant for the dwelling place of God, not in symbol but in truth, that she too would be incorruptible, that her flesh would not decay as all the rest would, but rather would be granted also the special grace of being hidden in a new place, not on earth, but in heaven. It makes sense that she who was Mater Dei, who was the mother of God, but also the daughter of the Father and the spouse of the Holy Spirit, would go and fly to them, would be joined to them quickly after her death. It makes sense that she who never experienced sin in this life, either original sin or personal actual sin, would not bear the consequences of that sin, namely corruption after death. All of these things make sense. And bringing them all together, the church fathers, as well as the saints throughout the history of the church, and ordinary people of pious thought knew in our hearts that Our Lady was granted so many special graces, why would she not also be the first to gain this one? Namely, to be able to enter into heavenly joy. It is our blessed Lord, St. Paul tells us today, who went first. It is he who ascends into heaven, who by his own power raises himself up from the dead and ascends into heaven, and there to open the gates for us to follow after. It makes sense that the new Eve would quickly join the new Adam, and that wonderful garden that is paradise that awaits. She didn't do this by her own power, however, of course. We don't celebrate the ascension of Our Lady, we celebrate her assumption, 
is something not that she does, but is something that is done to her. All of this pointing to the fact of her grace, that abundant grace that God gave to her, the grace that is continually reminded or brought to our minds throughout the liturgical year, as nearly every feast of Our Lady points particularly to the grace that she received from God, the life of God that was implanted within her soul in particular moments to follow after Him. It is on account of all of that grace poured out in abundance more than anyone else in the entirety of the world, and as often as presumed, more than all the world together, on account of that grace that she was lifted up by our Lord, by God our Father, by her beloved spouse, the Holy Spirit. It is for this reason that we honor her, that she is the first among all of us to enter into that joy after our blessed Lord. She is indeed assumed, brought up into heaven, body and soul. For this we glorify our Lady, and for this we glorify our Lord. This feast also speaks something of our own end, that we are not, to my understanding, the Blessed Mother, that we do have sin, that we do experience death as well as corruption, that we do not, we are not the dwelling place of the Most High in the permanent sense that Our Lady was, although we are temporarily when we receive our Lord and Holy Communion. On these accounts, we ourselves will experience death. We will experience corruption. And we will remain separated from body and soul until the day the Lord comes in His glory, the last day, the day of resurrection. This is the simple fact that we are, we are and will be separated. We will be judged, most certainly, right after our death. We go, our soul goes to stand before the Lord, to be present before Him, to receive our judgment, heaven, hell, or purgatory. And even if we end up in heaven, it means that we are still there only in spirit, in our soul, not yet in body. But one day we shall be. This is the wonderful gift that Our Lady also reminds us of. It makes sense that our Lord would go body and soul into heaven. But to be able to know that one of us, who is not also God, has already made the trip, is to be also for our encouragement. Our Lady shows us the one who is fully human, but not also fully divine, already rests there. And if she is, by God's grace, we can too. On the last day, we will be raised up, body and soul, and we will go to stand before the just judge once again, not as if the judgment will change, not as if we've had enough of hell and, and have, have uh, desired heaven, nor that we've been bad enough in heaven and thus merited hell. Rather, we will stand there in the fullness of our person, body and soul, because we are not part, we are both. And we will stand before our Lord, the just judge, and to receive our judgment, whole and entire, spirit, soul, and body. 
May God grant us the grace to persevere in the gift that he gives to us each day. Our Lady was assumed into heaven and able to enter into eternal joy because of God's grace and because of that alone. Her cooperation with it, of course, necessary. And it is the same for us. Our Lord offers to us abundant grace in the Eucharist, in the confessional, by use of the other sacraments, by the living forth of your lives if you are married, of of the holy sacrament of matrimony, by your life of prayer and your faithfulness to him. If we are faithful to his grace here and now, Our Lady assures us and shows us that our Lord will be faithful to us on that last day, where we will be able to enter into the joy of the kingdom, to stand beside Our Lady singing her praises as we rejoice together to behold the face of our God.